0: Ray, can you hear me? Okay. I can't hear myself, but that's okay. As long as you can hear. Is it? Am, am I on? I don't feel like I'm on. Okay. All right. Only God is good, but that's okay. I got it. Uh, this morning, I would like to. Um, Thank you all for some vacation time and uh, getting myself readjusted here. (laughs) I'd like to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 3 as we think about um, the season, the coming of Christ and um, His advent. I'd like to um, talk to you a little bit about a message that was given by the last... Uh, shepherd, before the good shepherd showed up. Um, That is the message message of John the Baptizer, which is a Christmas message. Um, I'd like you to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 3, and as we look at that, I'd like to say just a few things to you today about um, because Jesus came, how you should be zealous to repent of your sins, and because Jesus came, you should be zealous to rejoice in Him. Let's, um, let's read the chapter, pray, and say a little something about it. Matthew chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. In those days, and in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said... The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. Our Father, in Christ's name, we thank you for your word and for your spirit, and we thank you for uh, this time to gather together and think about what you have said and how it applies to us. Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Christ that you would be gracious to us, be gracious to me as I stand here to speak. Would you make your appeal through me to the hearts of your people, and may we all, uh, Lord, be uh, conformed to The image of Christ Jesus, sanctified by the truth, as you are the only one able to do this. And we ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. I want to talk to you today about Christmas comfort. Christmas comfort. And um, in the beginning of this chapter, uh, although you don't see it here in the English translation so often, but in the Greek, uh, this chapter begins with an and. And. It begins with an and. It begins with a conjunction because it connects it to the chapter before it. In those days, and in those days looks back to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, in the days of Herod the king. And although when, when John was at this time preaching, Herod the Great had died, his reign of terror influenced the times and still had its uh, impact after his death. These were the days, as you look and ponder chapter 2, these were the days when, unfortunately, those outside of the covenant proved to be wiser than those inside of the covenant. It's often true today, it seems, that sometimes people outside of the church show themselves wiser than those inside of the church. These were the days when, when, when the fact that a message came from wise men who came from Mesopotamia, from Babylon, no doubt, uh, bringing news of a king being born, uh, that the reign of the Messiah, the rule of the Messiah, the government He was coming to bring uh, troubled people inside of the covenant, um, when only a few people were glad to see jesus come and rejoiced at his appearing days when when jerusalem was more like the world than like the city of shalom the city of peace that god called it to be it's interesting to note that peter in his first letter in first peter uh, chapter 5 he actually calls jerusalem babylon that's how bad things had gotten in the so-called church of the day. Days when the world, when Egypt of all places, was safer than Jerusalem. Jesus Christ ran to, to Egypt. Well, He was taken to Egypt. He didn't run. He was just a baby. But His parents took Him to Egypt because it was a safer place than, than Jerusalem for Him. And... Um, it's days when people insisted on their own way no matter who got hurt. That's the way Herod was, and that's the way the people of the day were. And often, unfortunately, in the church today, it's, it's the same way that, that we insist on our own way. Do you find that you insist on your own way and give little regard about who gets hurt or what happens to others? The days when love grows cold and Jesus gets leftovers. The church in our day is so similar. Often leaders and pastors become dangerous people, unsafe around children and unsafe around vulnerable people. Look in your hearts today. Are are you willing to step on anyone so long as you can get your way? Do you find yourself ignoring the authority of God's Word? When, When Herod looked in the Scriptures to find when the child was to be born, he tried to manipulate reality, tried to manipulate providence, regardless of what God said, do you find yourself ignoring what God says in His Word? Not taking it seriously. Does the mention of Jesus Christ ruling every detail of your life, every detail of your relationships, Jesus ruling your tongue, ruling your schedule, ruling the parts of your body, ruling your money, does the fact that Jesus ruling every aspect of your life trouble you and make you nervous and make you grasp for autonomy? In this context, context we find here in Matthew 3, in our own context, the Scriptures teaches us that we need someone like John, sent from God, who upon the thought of Christ's coming, calls us to repentance. You need someone at Christmas calling you to repentance according to what God says. Because Jesus came, you should be zealous to repent of your sins. John was called the second Elijah, predicted by Isaiah the prophet. He was supposed to come with words of comfort, comfort for God's people. You read about this in Isaiah chapter 40. However, the comfort of God only comes when you turn from your sins your rebellion, your perversions, recognizing that before the living God you are like grass that withers, like a flower that fades when the Lord comes and blows His breath upon you. John says, repent for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' advent meant His reign was coming. And uh, you must see that The reign of Christ comes in a context of a call to repentance. The reign of Christ comes in a context of of you trying to reign yourself. You trying to rule things yourself. That Jesus' desire to rule you comes against the head of you trying to rule you. And that conflict, in order for there to be comfort, must end with you bowing to the king's crown. John tells you to prepare for Jesus Away, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And again, this comes uh, in the context of, of you Going your own way. Desiring your own way. And and John says, prepare His way. Prepare for Jesus to have His way with you. And giving up your own way. John did not say, rejoice because the kingdom of heaven. He said, repent because of the kingdom of heaven of heaven. John came in the garb of Elijah to call God's people of Israel back to God. At the first Noel, you find this message after 400 years of prophetic silence, you find God speaking and saying, repent, because the King has come. That's what we need. That's what you need. Repentance. And if you happen to be sitting here today thinking that you are somewhat offended at the call to repentance around Christmas, then you above all people need to repent. That is what John told the Pharisees and Sadducees in verse 7, who came to Him thinking that they had no need for this baptism. He, he called them snakes. He called them a brood of vipers. He associated them with the devil because they did not have the humble fruit of confession of sin. Confession of their own sin. Do you pray for your leaders to repent? Do you pray that you would repent of your own sin? Do you find um, yourself more bothered by other people's sin than about your own sin? Do you find yourselves confessing other people's sins to God and to others more than you find yourself confessing your own sin to God and to others? When is the last time that you did something? For Jesus, simply because you loved Him, not to look like a Christian, not to look the part, not to fit in, but simply out of love for Him, when was the last time you turned away from sin and rebuked sin in your own heart because you love Jesus? Jesus. If hell is the only reason that you turn from sin, that's something to note. Because the Bible calls us to love God because He first loved us. John calls the Pharisees and Sadducees snakes because they had no willingness to repent no felt need for cleansing. God wants you to bear fruit that proves repentance. God wants you to change your mind about the way you think, about, about Jesus ruling every single detail of your life. Every single part of your body, every single penny of your money. God calls you to repent change your thinking about every single thing. The Pharisees thought they could rest in their pedigree. We're children of Abraham. They thought they could rest in their history. We've got a, a history as a people, as a, whether as a church or whatever it might be. Because of their proximity to the things of God. They were Pharisees after all. They were Sadducees. They were close to the things of God. And John said that stones, dead stones, had more promise to God to be children of Abraham than those who had no felt need for cleansing, no felt need for change. That the life of a Christian is a life of ongoing repentance, ongoing change, ongoing confession of your sin to God. The Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who realize that, that they're bankrupt spiritually without Jesus. Blessed are you who mourn over sin. Those are the ones, you are the ones who mourn over sin, your own sin. You're the ones who receive comfort when you mourn, when you're broken over sin. At the advent of Christ, the fact that Christ has come moves you to say, I need change, I need cleansing. When John was speaking, he was not speaking to unbelieving people. He was speaking to the church of the day. He was saying to the people of God, repent. He was not talking evangelistically to people who never heard about the king. He was talking to people who were in the covenant. The message of comfort is preceded in this passage by the other side of the message. The message of terror. The message of horror. The message of the Christ the King coming with an axe to cut down trees and burn folk. That's exactly what Jesus did in AD 70 to His own people. He got rid of the sacrificial system. He burnt the temple to the ground and said, I'm done. It's over. I'm moving on. The king comes with with an axe because he has come to, to reveal his glory, his mercy, his grace. His slowness to anger. His wounds. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees said, we don't need it. We don't want it. But the king not only comes with recompense, he comes with reward. The prophet Isaiah said, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young, because he comes to reveal his glory to the world. Because Jesus came, you should be zealous to rejoice in him. To these waters where people were confessing their sins, people were owning up to their rebellion to these waters where you put off hypocrisy and put off pride and pretension, to these waters where you renounce your evil and your lust, to these waters Jesus came. And He came with healing in His wings. He came like someone in need. He came like a guilty one. He came like one confessing sin. He came to a baptism for sinners. And John would have us know and remind you that Jesus does not need to be baptized. Jesus does not need anything. Jesus does not need anyone. Jesus is the mighty one. He is the holy one. John is not even worthy to pick up his sandals. And you have to see Jesus that way that You have no business in His presence. No business belonging to Him. No business offering Him the most menial service. Because He's the holy, holy, holy God. The everlasting God. The Creator of the universe. Standing in baptismal waters for sinners. He comes to identify Himself with your sin. He comes to identify yourself his self with your rebellion and your perversions he comes when you come confessing he comes standing right next to you owning your sin, owning your rebellion, your perversions, the holy one, the worthy one. he does not grow faint. Or weary, but he gives strength, he increases strength to those without any might. It's when you confess, I have no might, that he comes increasing your might. When you come confessing that your sin has wearied you, he comes giving you strength to the weary. He gives power to those who are faint. Faint over their sin. If you're a runner and you know what it's like to run almost to the point of fainting, you can't get the next breath after you've already got your second wind, there's not a third. And you're looking for water. You're looking for rest. And Jesus is the one who comes to those who've been running in their sin. They've got their second wind in their sin. And they realize they're wearying themselves. And they've grown faint. And Jesus says, I'm the water. And you say, I'm needy. Give me a drink. Because He comes to these waters to fulfill all righteousness, it says. He comes with a reward, the reward of God's own righteousness. He comes to identify Himself with your sin and take your sin and give you righteousness by which you can stand in the most horrifying place of all, face to face with God. And because of His righteousness, you can stand and look God in the face and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. He comes with healing in His wings. He comes with Christmas gifts. He comes with Christmas comfort. He comes with forgiveness. Just like heaven was open to Him, You come to Jesus, heaven is open to you. Just like the Spirit was given to Him, you come trusting in Him, the Spirit is given to you. Just like the voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son. In Him, your Father says, You're my beloved Son. You're the one I approve of. You're the one I'm well pleased with because of owning sin and rejoicing in Him. The comfort of Christmas comes when we come clean with the King. When we're willing to own our iniquity and not make excuses for rebellion. So often we are so ready to tell the world about Jesus, and this passage teaches us to tell yourself about Jesus. So often we're willing to tell the world to turn from sin, and this passage says to God's people, turn from sin. It says to you, turn from sin. The judgment begins with the household of faith. And God calls us to repentance. The Bible says to the Israel of the day, it says the name of of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles. And Paul says, because of you who know. But don't demonstrate by actions that you know. Actions of repentance. David said after being purged and after being washed, He expected to hear joy and gladness. God will restore to you the joy of His salvation when you repent then and the senses then and only then are you in a position to teach transgressors God's ways. Remember, it was the Samaritan woman who went running from the well And she didn't say, come and repent. She said, come meet a man who told me all I had done. The message began with her, and then it flowed out from her. The message this Christmas must begin with us in our sin, repenting ourselves and being in a position to let everyone else know there's bread to be found, to be had in the Father's house. So Christmas comfort begins with Christmas cleansing given by Christ, and as we come to the waters, as it were, to confess sin and to deal with our own iniquity, then then the healing waters of Christ flow over us, flow over our soul, giving us joy, knowing that in our sin and in our rebellion and in our In our iniquity, you've got someone standing with you. You've got an advocate we sang about him. We've got an attorney, a defense attorney, who's willing to speak up for you. When you come running to God with your sin, Jesus says, I've washed him. I've washed her. She, he has been plucked from the fire. They belong to me. Look at my wounds, Father. They're mine. Forgive." Wash! Cleanse! Renew! Don't ever let the message of repentance be lost on you. It's not simply the initiating message. It's the ongoing cry of the Kingdom. That the King has come! Come and turn from sin every single day. Our hearts need constant turning back to God. Constant turning away from sin. Let Christmas comfort fall on you. by confession of sin. As to what we turn to now. The corporate confession of sin. As we look to God and look to the Lord's table. And if you don't know the Lord this Christmas, why not meet Him? Why not come to Him? Don't stand as a Pharisee, as a Sadducee, thinking, I'm Okay. You're okay. If you haven't come to Jesus, you're not okay. You need cleansing. You're created in His image. You're made to be like Him. And you can't be like Jesus apart from Jesus washing you, cleansing you, filling you, renewing you. Let's come and confess to Him. Together, let's confess. Oh, my Savior, help me. I am slow to learn prone to forget, and weak to climb. I am in the foothills when I should be on the heights. I am pained by my graceless heart and prayerless days, my poverty of love, my sloth in the heavenly race, my sullied conscience, my wasted hours, my unspent opportunities. I am blind while the light shines around me. Take the scales from my eyes, Grind to dust my heart of unbelief. Make it my highest joy to study you, meditate on you, gaze on you, sit like Mary at your feet, lean like John on your breast, appeal like Peter to your love, count like Paul all things but dung. I believe, help my unbelief, in the name, work, and person of Jesus Christ. Amen.